John chapter 1, verse 14. Um, just think about this real quick. John wrote this after all the other apostles wrote. Matthew's already wrote. Mark's wrote. Luke's wrote. Um, they come back to John and they're like, we really need you to put this down. And uh, John opens with a beautiful display here in chapter 1. And this is part of that open opening statement so to speak but in verse 14 he says and so the living expression became a man and lived among us we gazed upon his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the father overflowing with tender mercy and truth john announced the truth about him when he taught the people he's the one He's the one I've been telling you would come after me, even though he ranks far above me because he existed before I was even born. And from the overflow of his fullness, we received grace heaped upon more grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. No one ever before gazed upon the full splendor of God except his uniquely beloved son who was cherished by the father and held close to his heart. Now that he has come to us, he has unfolded the full explanation of who God truly is. Isn't that beautiful? Man, just think about Jesus. Think about we have been singing this morning some powerful words. Just to draw you in into that presence. Because he's so beautiful. He's so deserving. Right? Last week I said we are products of the gospel we received. So the gospel that you received, that's the product that you came out of. Right? And we looked at different aspects of that gospel. Some of that libertine person. Some of that law person who's going to stick by that. And we talked about where we are and where he's bringing us into the realm of sonship, right? And so in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 through 14, he's talking about us growing as mature sons, that we have to be pierced by the revelation of righteousness to grow in that. And so in, the, in, in thinking about that and thinking about how we adopted these gospels, right, and we are the product of that, in the early 1900s, on through the middle of the mid-1900s, the commentaries that came out, and their teachings were separating the gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom. One of the Bibles that you may be familiar with is the Schofield Bible. And the Schofield Bible was used at the Moody Bible Institute as their number one source. And that's where they got that from, was to divide that gospel of grace with the gospel of the kingdom. It was never to be divided, but what they used it was, was something that we call proof texting, where you can take... A text here and a text here and a text there and try to prove your point, right? And what they tried to prove was that you have the gospel of grace over here and you have the gospel of the kingdom over here, meaning the gospel of the kingdom was meant for the Jews and to them established on earth. But the gospel of grace message that they talked about was this. Say a simple prayer. We believe you got born again. And then wait for your time to go. And then we never got involved in the kingdom dynamics here on this earth. For it was all about get them saved, get them saved, get them saved. And it was never about transformation, transformation, transformation. So one of the things that has to happen out of Asbury is 
That revival that is taking place for it not to die out means it has to go out. It has to become a culture. It has to transform the culture around Wilmore, Kentucky. And it has to transform that city and has to transform a culture. And that culture transforms a city. And that city transforms a state. And that state transforms a nation. And that's what begins to take place inside this room actually four years ago inside his house. See, we don't just live it on Sundays, but we are coming a people and a generation who is filled with the very presence of God. And as we host His presence, we carry that everywhere we go, transforming generations. So what gospel did you buy? You see what I'm saying? We have to be transformed into the gospel message of what He says that we really are and who we are. Who He is and who we really are. And that is a beloved Son. And as a beloved Son that I'm called out to transform cities, to transform nations. Right? He says, if you ask the nations of me, I'll give them to you. Right? That's who we are called. But the kingdom is here and it's right now. He said that Jesus said the kingdom is where? Within. That we carry that kingdom wherever we go. That when we pray, we should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Satan's kingdom is ruled a little bit different than God's kingdom. Satan's kingdom is ruled by tyranny, is ruled by fear, is ruled by control, is ruled by deception. Right? Can't you see that? That's how he rules. It is self Preservation, And what I mean by that, save yourself and to hell with everybody else. And I said that's Satan's kingdom. And we bought that kingdom in a lot of our churches. Self-preservation. Save me, save me, save me to hell with everybody else. Because it's about me. It's about what are you doing for me? What is your ministry doing for me? You got a women's ministry? Well, I don't feel comfortable with the older women, so can y'all just do a younger women's ministry for me and y'all have an older women's ministry over here because we just don't mesh. Can y'all have a children's ministry for us that we have the best playground because I'm shopping around and whoever church is going to provide for me so that my kids can be out my hair the whole time and I can have free babysitting service for two hours, that's the church I want to come to. The one that's going to sing my songs because I grew up in the 1950s and I need your songs to match what I grew up in. And if you don't, then I'm not going to your church. See how we make it about us? Whose kingdom is ruled that way? Satan's kingdom. It's about control. It's about deception. And it's about self-preservation. See, Jesus' message, God's kingdom, is not ruled by a lot of things. It's ruled by God's glory. It's ruled by God's righteousness. And there's absolute freedom. Absolute. Absolute. God's glory, God's righteousness. He said, I'll rule with a scepter of righteousness. Remember that in Hebrews? And there's absolute freedom. Think about God's rule before He created this earth. The heavenly hosts were captivated by what? His presence. Right? His glory. But they also had ultimate freedom to choose to worship 
and adore that glory. Right? Didn't they have freedom? Because we see a third of them did not choose wisely. Right? They wanted to worship and adore another being. A created being by God that was also beautiful. Satan was beautiful. Lucifer was beautiful. In fact, he led the worship. And his kingdom says, worship me. Right? It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And so they had the choice to choose. And what did they do? By captivated by his glory, they were free to follow. And they followed the beauty of the king because they were intoxicated. In fact, I want you to think about this. It states that there are angels around his throne from the very beginning and will never end. And they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Do you think about that? Don't you think they ever get bored? They've been doing the same thing. We sing the same two songs Sundays in a row. They're going to be like, they need to get a new song. <laughs> that praise team, man, they just they got to get with the times. For generations before you were even born, they've been singing that, and they will continue singing that. Why do you think that is? The Word of God describes God as ever releasing His glory. That means it never grows old because it's a continued revelation. It never stops. God's glory does not end. And unto His rule it will not end, Isaiah says. So there's an ever-increasing revelation of who He is. You will never get bored with that if you really meet the real God. If you meet religion, you're going to get tired of it. And it's going to wear you out. And it's going to burn you out. But when you meet Him face to face, it's ever increasing from glory to glory to glory to glory. A continue, continuous captivation. So it's glory. I want you to think about when I use the word glory, these are the things I want you to describe. These are the things that are attributed to Him in the Word of God. Glory includes splendor. It includes His beauty, and it includes His love. His splendor, His beauty, and His love when we talk about the glory of God. So when Jesus came, did that change? Didn't it just say what we read in John chapter 1? That He was the direct replica of that? That He was in His fullness? God in His fullness showed us what He was like through Jesus. Is Jesus' splendor amazing? Yeah, so it didn't change. Is Jesus' beauty Amazing. Yes, it never changed. And is his love that we have already been ascribing to him the whole worship service, is it not beautiful? Yes. So it did not change. His glory is still the thing that we operate under. And guess what? We're still free to choose. He's not going to make it. We're still free to choose. So let's look at some of these terms of glory. Psalms 24. They're one of our favorites. Psalms 24, we're going to look at two verses in that. Verse 9. So wake up, you living gateways. That is us, by the way. And rejoice. Flame wide, you eternal doors. Here he comes. Who? The king of what? Glory. Is ready to do what? 
Come in. Come in where? Where? Inside of you. Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door, I will open it. I will come into him. I will sit with him. I will sup with him. We will be intimate together. That's the invitation. Open wide. Let me in. Who? The king of what? Glory. The king of what is glory? The king of splendor. Think of splendor being on the inside of you. Just let that sink in for just a second because we get so stressed out in life. Just pause for just a minute. Don't you love those words in Psalms whenever it says Selah, meaning stop, pause, reflect on it. Your heart needs this. Don't just speed up and go past it. That the king of glory, the king of what? Of splendor. Think of splendor, how beautiful that is. That's on the inside of you. It's kingdom. The king of glory is beauty. That we can gaze upon his beauty. The king of glory, which is love. It's an everlasting love. That he calls you his beloved son. And the Psalms remind us, flame, what? let that in. Just let it in. As I mentioned earlier, as we were worshiping, sometimes... We're afraid to look full on into his wonderful face. As the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus Sings. We're, we're afraid to look full on into his wonderful face because sometimes we revert back because we are afraid of what he may see in us. It's not that we're, what we're afraid of what we're going to see in him. We're afraid of what he's going to see in us. That goes back to the garden where we hid behind the tree not knowing who we are, not knowing our identity. As long as the enemy continues to keep you confused of who you are, which is beloved, you're not really going to open wide those gates and let the king of glory come in. Verse 10, you ask, who is this king of glory? He is Yahweh, armed and ready for battle. Got some battles you fight? Got some situations? Situations? You got some? Armed, ready to fight. But what was the verse before that? Fling wide. Let him in. A lot of times we don't let him in to fight those battles. Because we're trying to do it on our own, out of flesh. He is Yahweh, armed and ready for battle. The mighty one, the invincible commander of heaven's host. Host. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. Yes, he is the king of glory. And then it says, pause in that. <laughs> pause in that presence of who he really is, the king of glory. Go with me to Acts 7. Acts 7, verse 2. Stephen replied, my fellow Jews and fathers, listen to me, the God of Glory. Who? The God of who? Glory appeared to our ancestor Abraham while he was living in Iraq and before he moved to Haran in Syria. So he is the God of who? Glory. So we got the King of Glory, Psalm 24. We got the God of Glory, Acts 7, verse 2. Now look at Ephesians chapter 1.
Ephesians 1 verse 15. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord, Jesus Christ and your tender love toward all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Father of what? Glory. The Father of who? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. He wants you to be intimate with who? The father of what? Glory. Father of splendor. The father of beauty. The father of love. A lot of times we use that word glory and we just think that's a religious churchy word. Right? I need you to get into your mind. When you hear the word glory, you think of His splendor, His beauty, and His love. Okay? Captivated. Not just, oh, lights are shining on Him. Glory. We're talking splendor. These are real things that you experience. Not from a faraway land where there's a light shining. You say, oh, look at the glory. No. We're saying... These are real tangible things that you get to experience with Him. His splendor, His beauty, and His love. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who were in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God hidden before now in a what mystery. It is His secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into what? Into what? Bring us into His splendor. To bring us into His beauty. To bring us into His love. We're into it. Meaning a face-to-face encounter. Meaning we are not separated. Meaning we're not to hide over here and His glory is over there. But He wants to bring you into that splendor and that beauty and that love so you experience it. That's what He says. You are destined before the ages to experience that, it says. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this present world world order understood it for if they had they never would have crucified the lord of shining glory so we've talked about the king of glory the god of glory the father of glory and jesus himself is the lord of glory now go with me to first peter chapter four first peter chapter four verse fourteen If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are greatly blessed because the spirit of glory and power, who is the spirit of God, rests upon you. The spirit of what? The spirit of splendor, the spirit of beauty, the spirit of love. So we've said the father, the king, the father, we said the king, God, the father, Lord, Jesus, and the spirit, the triune God is all glory. 
It's all splendor. It's all beauty. And it's all love. And we've been invited into this dance called perichoresis where we get to in that great circle dance of love and enjoyment. He's invited us into enjoy that every moment of our life. Not just whenever (laughs) we're up here and Emily is doing what she does. Taking us into that place. But every moment you're invited into that of your life, 24-7 you're invited into that place. And the glory is a result of His grace because His grace is what has invited us into His glory, right? His grace, His unmerited favor that we talk about, His grace that enables us to come into the throne of grace with confidence and boldness we receive whatever we ask for, meaning we have been placed into that throne room with Him. By grace. To see what? His glory. Remember Moses? What was he saying? Just let me see your glory. Just let me see your glory. Just let me see your glory. I'll let you see the backside of me, he said. Right? Remember that? He hid him in that cleft of the rock. He wanted to see the beauty of the Lord, the splendor of the Lord. He wanted to feel the love of the Lord. And you've been invited so much greater than anything that Moses ever experienced. For he says, this new covenant, you've been brought to Mount Zion. And you've been placed in that place with him in presence 24-7. It's yours. It's yours. Think about the way David's kingdom was operated here on the earth. David's kingdom was a type and a shadow of Jesus' earthly kingdom. And he fought the enemies of Israel. So there was bloodshed. He established that kingdom by doing this. Loving his father because what did it say about about, uh, David? He was a man after God's own heart. So he established the kingdom by loving the father. But he also established the kingdom by bloodshed which represents the cross of Christ. David's ministry always a type and a shadow. When he killed Goliath, right? That is representing Jesus defeating the enemy for us, right? It's always been a type and shadow of Jesus' ministry here on the earth. What come after David? Who? Who came after David? Solomon. How did Solomon's kingdom get established? Glory. It was a glory kingdom. What did the queen from Queen of Sheba say? She's like, I have no words. She's just awestruck by the splendor, right? Just the gold itself that it said that Solomon's temple had. You couldn't imagine, right? And she's awestruck. Did you know there was no war in Solomon's day? It was a peace, a kingdom of peace. What are we told about Jesus' kingdom after? The resurrection. What did Isaiah say? And of his peace there will be no end. See, Jesus is the type in the shadow of David's. But we are to be the sons of David. We are to be the sons of Christ Jesus that step into Solomon's glory. And in that glory, there will be peace and there will be no end. There will not have to be bloodshed. There will not have to be war with flesh and blood. But our but our warfare is against rulers and principalities of this other world. And how is it established? We get into that glory realm. And when we're in that glory realm, where He is, face to face, we bring that where? To earth. 
our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Matthew 6, 29, Jesus mentions the glory of Solomon, actually. And then in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, Jesus said, A greater than Solomon has come. That means, yes, we can say, man, can you imagine what Solomon's was like? He says even greater than that has past tense come when he established it here on this earth and the glory of God manifests himself. John himself is establishing that in that opening passage that we said in the chapter 1 of of John. Whenever he talks about we saw his dazzling glory, we saw it face to face. When did he see it? On the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that? And Jesus lit up. (laughs) And he's so like, oh my. And Peter's running around like, bro, let's build some tents. Let's do something. We've got to do something. Isn't that what we do in church? The glory comes. We've got to do something. got to do something. got to do something. And John said, let's just enjoy this. Because I know whenever we enjoy this and we come up off this mountain, bro, it's going to be unstoppable. John saw even deeper that we get to reflect that glory. That it wasn't just going to be him, but that we were going to be in him and he was going to be in us. John chapter 17. And John begins to just describe that over and over. And he gets so intimate with the Father, so intimate with Jesus, so intimate with Holy Spirit, that he begins to reveal to us how one we are in that glory, of that splendor, of that beauty, and that love. In fact, all the disciples, what did they do? They dropped everything that they had. Right? Isn't it kind of strange to you? You're reading these stories and they're out there fishing and doing what they're supposed to do. And they're like, all right, peace out, pops. We're going with Jesus. Like that don't seem a little weird to you? I mean, you're going to drop your job tomorrow? I'm telling you what, if you saw the beauty and splendor of what they saw, you would. But some of us have yet to see the beauty and the splendor. Got to allow ourselves to let that wall fall and look in. He says the veil is already moved, and those who turn within see him for who he really is inside them will be forever changed. So we'll never be kingdom people. That's what we're supposed to be. But we'll never be kingdom people until we're caught up into his glory. And we're captivated by glory. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 13. We are not like Moses. Who used a veil to do what? Hide. The glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Moses gets to bring the glory down with him. And when he does, he has to put a veil over it. And he says, we are not like that. You are meant to shine. Jesus says, you are that city on a hill. You are. You are the light of the world, he says. Why? Because you're supposed to be in him and he in you. And you're reflecting that glory wherever you go. That shines so bright. 
Their minds, 14, were closed and hardened, for even to this day that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. When is it eliminated? When can you see him? When you're joined with him as one, face-to-face, encounters with him. Not saying a simple prayer, getting your ticket punch, waiting for the sweet by and by. But a true encounter with the living God face-to-face. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment... One turns to the Lord. Turns to who? The Lord. Christ. The King of glory. With an open heart. The veil is lifted and they see. When they do what? Turn. What did I say? A lot of us don't mind getting into the presence as long as we're looking at Him. It's whenever we realize He's looking at us and we're like, oh snap. And we do what? We turn away. But he says, turn and look full into his face. What does that mean? Abandoning everything else, looking full in his face, trusting that what he says about you is true. But the moment one turns to the Lord, open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. There is. So, if you don't have freedom... And you hadn't done this yet. Very specific. Again, said last week, we try to make it hard. It's very simple. Very simple. We want to make it hard. Verse 18, look at this. We can all. Who? All means what? All. Draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all, all means all, become like mirrors who brightly reflect the what? Glory. The splendor, the beauty, and the love of the Father. Of the Lord Jesus. And we are being transfigured into His very image as we do what? Move. From one brighter level of glory to another. Not mountaintop, then valley. Mountaintop, then valley. Mountaintop, then valley. Well, you just don't know where God will take you. He'll take you to that valley, brother. He's trying to get something out of you. Show me that, please. I've been looking for that passage for a long time. It says he moves you from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. No plateau. Now you may be going through a valley. And he not gonna, he's not going to leave you. He's pursuing you. He's trying to get you up on out of that rut. But my brother's trying to take you. My brother Jesus is trying to take you this way. Not this way. And when we get our eyes fixed on him. 
He's going to take you and move you from glory to glory to glory. His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the what? Spirit. Now go over one chapter to chapter 4. Look at verse 1. This is just continue on again. When Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, he's not writing in chapters. This is one letter. So we're at verse 1, chapter 4. Now. So he's established a thing here. Right? And so Paul's saying, now, now that you know that, now that you understand that, now that you can get it down in here, I need you to understand something. Now, it's because of God's mercy that we have been entrusted with the privilege of this new covenant ministry. This is your ministry. This new covenant that he's talking about here is your ministry, that we should be kingdom people here on this earth because we are so captivated in his glory, we should be taking it wherever we go. And we will not quit or faint with weariness. We reject every shameful cover-up and refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the Word of God. Well, brother, you just can't really believe that. You know how bad stuff is in the world. And so then you've got to decide, Tater said, that's reality, right? That's what they want to say. Then you got to understand was which reality are you going to tune into? The one of flesh and blood or the one that says you're a spirit being that has a body and that your spirit is already made 100% brand new. And all things have become brand new. We reject every shameful cover-up who's going to say, well, I mean, you get grace, but brother, if you got grace, it enables you, empowers you to do what you've been called to do. It's not a cover-up. It's not a cover-up. So refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the Word of God. Instead, we open up our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight and presence of God. He's given you a conscience, a brand new conscience that means you can stay steadfast in the face of God Almighty. Because if you're doubting, you're not going to be able to stand. Even if our gospel message is veiled, even if they try to cover it up a little bit, even if they try to say it's too good to be true, it is only veiled to those who are perishing. <laughs> For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age. That's that kingdom of Satan. Leaving them in unbelief. You want to know if you've been veiled or not? You want to know the people that are veiled? They're still walking in unbelief. So the veil hasn't been removed. They're still walking in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the gospel. Of the glory of Christ. The gospel of the what? Glory of Christ. Splendor, beauty, love. Who is the divine image of God. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ, for we are servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious 
knowledge of God. The glorious knowledge includes that knowledge of His splendor, meaning it is a face-to-face knowledge. It is not a knowledge here that somebody told you about and you have a little bit of head knowledge about it, but it's an experience of a face-to-face encounter, the knowledge of His splendor, the knowledge of His glory, the knowledge of His beauty, the knowledge of His love. The glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. Something real. Something real. As we gaze into His face-to-face encounter. John starts that whole thing up. What we read earlier, if you go back to the beginning of John chapter 1, he starts that whole thing up saying, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word with is the word pros. That means face to face. And he says, this has been my plan from the very beginning, is to include you in this glory. John 17, Jesus praying to the Father for us. The same glory. The same glory, Jesus said. Did you give me? Father, I'm giving to them. Why? Just so you can put it in your pocket? Just so we can say, I'm better than you? But to change us from the inside out so that we reflect His image here on the earth. Heaven in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope that His splendor, the hope that His love, the hope that His beauty would be displayed on the earth is Christ in you. To be shown everywhere you go. I'm going to invite you to stand for just a minute. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture this song as they sing the words to this. And I want you to let go of everything else. Everything in your mind that says that can't be true, I need you to just let it go. All of your doubts, all of your lack that you say, I just don't measure up in this area. I'm doing good here, here, and here, but not here. You're the only one seeing yourself that way. God does not see you that way. He sees all of you and says, I love you. But it's not until we release all of that and then get into that encounter, that face-to-face encounter, that we are truly going to be changed. So the invitation to you this morning is to lock eyes with Him. We'll have some prayer time in just a minute. If you need prayer, we'll come to you. We'll pray. We'll have a team to come pray with you. 
But right now it's not about that. Right now it's just simply about you forgetting everything around you and get face to face with the living God.
we would be completely abandoned. Abandon our wants, our desires. Unashamed, unafraid. Caught up in his presence. the room of what I just saw and so I, I just want right now just for us to step out of our comfort zone for a minute I want you to grab up about two or three maybe four people and just get in a circle I just want you to be able to cry out to God for a minute if it's nothing else but this prayer alone if it's nothing else but that everyone in that circle can agree where two or more are gathered in my name If it's nothing else but just say, God, make me hungry for you. Begin to increase my hunger and my desire, my thirsting for you. Let's just gather real quick. Let's just do that. That'd be our desire, the hunger, the thirsting. Just begin to gather. Join. touching that right now making any hole somebody under your shoulder blade also been having pains there God's just touching that right now 
feel like somebody's here. It's not necessarily that you got it, but you're afraid of it. You're afraid of the C word called cancer. God's just removing that fear from you. That he's greater, he's better, and his blood is speaking a better, a better word. There's glory in this moment that he's providing. That your young children, the children in this room, I believe uh, just because of Lots of local reports in this past week of little children having night terrors. I believe that's because what we see with that. Tater, what I believe in that, what Father just revealed to me. That's the enemy rising up higher because he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And these young children will dream dreams and visions. And so those night terrors are coming because the enemy is trying to rise up so that the children of God cannot see what he wants them to see. So we just come together as one body right now. And we say that spirit of night terrors be broken. That it be gone in Jesus' name. And we say, young children, dream dreams. Have visions from the Lord. That when you wake up, you have a supernatural download inside of you that you are carrying a kingdom. And that you will lead us in worship. You will lead us to shut the enemy's mouth. And we declare that over our children in this room. Spirit of God is hovering. He's wooing. He's drawing. Somebody in here dealing with insecurity of your future. And the view you had on your future worry about he says take heart to the passage it says I have plans to prosper you and not harm you says the Lord take him at his word for it's the enemy that wants you to believe the lie and if you believe the lie you empower the liar believe truth today
for me this week I want you to take those passages I want you to meditate on I want you every day this week when you wake up when you go to bed I want you to say that simple prayer Father increase my hunger and my thirsting for you Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says and you will be filled and you will be filled be blessed this week love you guys have a good week thanks for coming